Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. You're very welcome to another episode of the Scaling Your Business podcast, episode 160. Delighted to be joined by Jack Cantalon, the CEO and co-founder at Herd. Jack, you're very welcome to the show. Hello, hello. How are things? Great to be here. Things are good. You're based over in London at the moment, but you're coming home next week for Christmas. Uh, really looking forward to it. Yeah, 60% of my time uh, I'm in London, but the rest of the time I'm uh, in Dublin. I uh, work at a dog patch labs um, just there on the Great keys. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I'm looking forward to getting back for the Christmas. Slick. Well, let's start right back. Rewind the clock. Um, I looked at your LinkedIn page and I scrolled back to see that you went to secondary school in Newbridge in Kildare. I'm yeah. going to take a guess that you grew up there. You can correct me in a second if I'm yeah, wrong. Absolutely. What was life like growing up in Newbridge? Any favourite uh, stand-up memories? Uh, so, a favourite stand-up memory? Well, I suppose I, I, I come from a bit of a horse-obsessed family, but unfortunately, <laughs> Ryan, uh, I'm allergic to horses. Wow. So, uh, a standout moment was uh, my parents thinking that... Uh, this guy is just really unfit and he needs to, uh, he needs to uh, ride more and more often to get fit. <laughs> Actually, it was, I was just turning into the elephant man because I was getting allergic reaction every time. And um, so uh, very much uh, uh, remembering that and figuring out maybe uh, instead of being, uh, you know, w- working stables, breeding horses the whole time, but still have a passion for it. And um, actually, maybe I need to do something a little bit different and uh, hence kind of my path went perhaps a little bit uh, differently than one might have expected when I was younger. Yeah, and for anyone uh, who heard him mention horses, a couple of things that I've found out from Jack's LinkedIn, he is massively into horse racing. While he was at secondary school, and I'm reading from my screen here, Jack, uh, you won the Young Racing Journalism's biggest prize. uh, And then also during your time at Trinity, which we'll get into, you won the Best New Society, which was... Anyone can guess horse, a very, very unsupor- un- unimaginably the horse racing society at the time. Yeah. That was great. We were known, to be honest, as a bit of a party society at the time. Maybe it had more than a <laughs> horse racing society. Uh, standout moment for me during that was uh, we brought a, um, we got a massive cardboard cut, not a cardboard cutout, a wooden, a massive wooden oh. horse, life size wooden horse, and we put it into the Academy Nightclub in Dublin, um, which was. Uh, great until people decided they wanted to do their best impressions of Frankie Dottori and scale it and jump off it <laughs> um, the whole night, which turned into a bit of a health and safety uh, nightmare. But uh, yeah, lo- uh, loved uh, uh, Trinity, loved trying to do things, given the space and the kind of the room to be creative and trying to uh, try new things. And how, like, if it failed, who cares at that point, right? Uh, and just do as much as that as possible. It's a great, it's a great kind of period of your life to be in. For sure, for sure. You mentioned Trinity. You studied law at Trinity, and then you went on to do uh, uh, law again at the University of Law in Morgate. Why did you pick that? Um, I so a friend of mine, uh, Katie Burns, who was in the year ahead of me in law and Trinity. Um, I was in Newbridge at the time, and I was asking her how she was getting on, and she said, "Yeah, it's great. Yeah, I have lots of free time because I have nine hours lecture, nine hours of lectures a week." Uh, and for me, uh, that was the sole determinant. I, I, you know, as wrongly as possible, uh, you know, I could say I had some grand plan or, you know, I, the, you know, I, I was always passionate about being a lawyer, to be honest. Um, you know, I liked English. Uh, I felt it was a cool career. Um, and I heard it was nine hours a week in Trinity. And that was genuinely my, uh, my reasoning at the time, which is quite pathetic. Um, but it, it, it's the honest truth. Uh, the honesty. Um, again, I've mentioned a couple of times I've gone through your LinkedIn. 
I, I enjoyed scrolling through your LinkedIn more than the average LinkedIn I've gone through. And I'd like to rewind the clock to the year 2012, and here's why. Um, for anyone who was in college around that year, I started college in 2011, so I was in college in 2012. The, you've probably heard, and I'm, you have to be a base around Dublin, the uh, student race days. Jack, who's the guest on the podcast today, founded the Spin 1038 race day. Uh, you brought together, I think it was 12 universities. There's about 10,000 people at one of these race days. So the question I have here, there's a two-part question. One, why did you decide to take on such a mammoth thing? And then two, was there any skills or behaviors looking back now that you enhanced, improved, or learned throughout the time of doing such a big event? I think the skills, the skills and behaviors is the the ability to just do something, right? You know, mm. I'm, a, I'm a big believer in starting. And once you've started, you know, how do you eat an elephant? You do it a bite at a time, right? Um, so that's very much um, the mantra I have. Um, I think uh, the student race day was great. Um, you know, people give out about student race days in horse racing communities. I'm not going to lie because they think, you know, it's a lot of young people um, therefore piss up and perhaps not engaging with the racing. But there is no cheer um, like a student race day cheer um, when, when the horses turn for the home straight at Leopardstown or Limerick. And that for me is the biggest, uh, you know, metric to tell you the enjoyment people are having. People are engaged. And if they weren't engaged, they wouldn't be cheering as loudly as they were as yeah. their fancy uh, trundled down the home straight at Leopardstown. It was a great um, experience. It was great to see such enthusiastic involvement. You know, it sold out consistently year after year after uh, I started up. And it was a great, you know, kind of a, uh, a taster for you know future racing lovers and future race goers to go to Leopardstown, to go to Limerick, to go to you know and find a, a, a real great day out um, with their friends um, in university. And you weren't scared of of running big events after that. I may be mistaken in the name, but you co-ran Jailbreak in twenty fourteen. Yeah. yeah. For listeners who are not familiar with that, can you can you t- give thirty seconds to tell them what it is? That's very simple. You you start in the same place and you race to get as far away from that place as possible without spending any money. Um, so it, it actually changed over the years. So it evolved to there would be a certain place um, where we would send someone and people would race to that place. So my friend uh, Jack Danaher, he was the um, the Snapchat um, rash, I think we called them. I can't, I can't remember exactly what we termed them, but basically he would leave clues um, uh, to people all around that were following him of where he might be and people would try and uh, catch him uh, and win the win the jailbreak at that time um, yeah. he was he was caught just outside the Arc Triomphe in France and um, so a really cool place to be uh, caught and he was kind of running around like a lunatic um, for a, uh, a considerable I think it was like 72 hours people trying to capture him wow. um, I, you know I think the jailbreak experience was a, a fun one, but a stressful one. You know, you've got people going into the abyss of the unknown and without any cash in their pockets and they're trying to get as far away as possible. You know, you, you're worried what, if someone runs into trouble, how we'll deal with it, you know? Um, so it was a, uh, a, a difficult period, but we raised loads of money um, and it was, uh, you know, for some very worthwhile causes in Vincent de Paul and Amnesty International. Um, and as one that, you know, I, I definitely learned a, a lot from the experience in running it. And there was certainly some hype around it back in the day when I was in college. I remember each year when it happened, there was a lot of hype around it. And um, before we get into business, I've got one more question for you around what you've done prior to Heard. Yeah. Um, you spent three months as a congressional intern in Peter King's office. Yeah. What, what was that experience like? Uh, very cool, first of all. Uh, you know, I did Washington Ireland. I was very... Uh, 
appreciative of, uh, recipient of a, a spot on the uh, Washington Ireland program, which is a peace building pro, uh, program which brings 15 people from the north and 15 people from the south to spend a summer in Washington, D.C. Um, I was delighted to, to be uh, chosen to be one of the congressional interns. So that's when you spend time in Congress in the United States. And I was um, allocated a spot in uh, Congressman Peter King's office. Um, Congressman King um, is a, a Republican from New York um, who would have contrasting political views to my own, but he, uh, he tr treated me with the utmost respect, was great fun, uh, wanted me to involve me as much as possible. And I had a wonderful period uh, in Washington, D.C., um, just kind of at the really the epicenter of power in the United States, which is a hugely exciting and, and kind of exhilarating place to be and see how, um, how the sausage is made, if you will. I like that term. Is that a program that's still run annually today? Yeah, no, it's very much. And actually, I literally think applications opened just last week. Um, it's an annual program. It's changed actually with COVID. So I met the um, the executive director, Brian Patton, uh, Brian Patton the other week. Um, and you said now they're doing a virtual arm and I believe a physical arm. So you can get involved in a, 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 in a number of ways. Um, and it has had immense contribution to um Irish society. Uh, Leo Radcliffe did it once upon a time, uh, whether you agree with his politics or not, he certainly made a contribution to Irish society and many, many other people um, that are successful in Irish society have done uh, the Washington Ireland programme. So it's a, uh, it's a really um, top class, uh, yeah. top class to, to do with your summer when you're in college. I'll, I'll, I'll leave a link below wherever you're yeah, listening watching this yeah. if you want to explore more. So Heard, you're the CEO and co-founder Rather than me kind of give the elevator pitch a 30-second commercial, yeah. you'll do a better job, so the mic is yours. Well, I'm not sure I would do a better job, but basically we heard is a free-to-play um, social game that lets groups of friends predict what happens next during sporting events. Um, so very simply, uh, uniting people around an ability to express their knowledge, which is perhaps in contrast to the more traditional bet or more intimidating fantasy sports platform, we're, tr we're creating a safe, fun social space where people go interact around predicting what happens next. For example, just this weekend, we had the drama of the F1 um, and we had uh, Latifi to crash as one of our predictions on our platform, which was utterly ridiculous. But, you know, it, 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 straight away, people were screenshotting that. They were sharing it on their Instagram uh, profiles. We we're going, what a shout. And that's kind of the magic we're trying to create. We're trying to take that, the social currency of having a really, really out there prediction and getting it right and the celebrating that in a new and uh, exciting way. I, uh, I downloaded the app myself about three well hours done. ago in, in prep for, for well the done. podcast. Well done. Um, the question I had around it, actually, what, what, what got my attention was, I don't know what you'd call it, a promo video or a launch video, but uh, you called it not uh, a SaaS business, but not software as a service, status as a service. Yeah. And I thought that was brilliant, I did. Um, I'm glad you enjoyed that. And that's really what it is, right? I think, you know, why, Rian, when you put up uh, an Instagram photo, do you look back and see how many likes you got? You know, when you yeah. put out your podcast, you want the validation of people commenting on it, people interacting around it. And it's not necessarily about financial reward. And that's traditionally what we associate with knowledge around sport. You have a bet to make money. And for most people, actually, if they looked at their statistics, they lose money. What yeah. we're trying to do is celebrate something which is different, which is the ability for you to analyze a sporting situation, share it with your peers, compete in a leaderboard and give you a new way of um, expressing that uh, those habits and behaviors. Of course, over time, we're actually going to take that 
those best performers. So say you're a Man United fan and you're, you're, you're a, a super fan, you actually get rewarded with brand partnerships and uh, gamified rewards, which are delivered directly to the most passionate consumers, which are the United fans that keep getting it right. There's no better way to prove that you're engaged than predicting uh, correctly what's going to happen around your favorite clubs and, and scenarios that uh, associate them. So we're, we're super excited to be kind of on this journey of a new type of way people engage around sport and to do so building it very much from an Irish identity alongside kind of our, our UK origin story. Uh, a, a, a simple concept, but a genius. I, I'm, I'm part of a number of WhatsApp groups where when sporting events are on, friends will engage and say, you know, I think he'll be the first score or I think this will team will win. Whereas this app takes that concept, adds a couple of layers to it and turns it into a, a, a product essentially. Um, but my question here is, how do you plan to get that word out to the masses? Because other than you being on my podcast, I had never heard of Herd before. Yes. So I, I I know you mentioned in that promo video, I think you said you'd secured some partnerships. Is there is there a, a plan next year in terms of tapping into influencers, word of mouth, yeah. SEO? Give me a broad overview of how you plan to grow the, the app. Yeah, so I, I look, it has to be fun, first of all, right? There's no better um, way for me to, for the word to spread about her than people downloading i'd love if your uh, listeners did download and gave us their thoughts what they think but that's that's the best one. so it's, it's about making the experience as fun as possible and the people that do come today retain and they stay with us because if they do then we are building something um really worthwhile so that's our first goal it's actually retaining our customers rather than perhaps growing it but i'm super excited how we can grow this it's very natural right if to just right now if you wanted to say look the NFL's on next weekend. Let's have a bit of a, a, a tournament around it. It's a magic link straight into your WhatsApp group. People click it, they download the app, and they're automatically populated into a leaderboard where they are predicting what's going to happen, and they're immediately thrown into the action. That's really exciting from a viral perspective in that you have this behavior. You all talk, already talked about it, that you're doing these uh, predictions, but we're creating the safe space where you can go and compete in a real product, you know, product-based way. I mean, that's actually not, there isn't a jump. In, in contrast to other products, we, you might have a, oh, what's this about? You know immediately when you land on her, this is what I'm going to do. And this is, I'm competing in a, a gamified way. I, I spoke to a, a guy this morning and he was, he was telling me why he was super excited about what we're building was that he, ha- he loves MMA, but he's a lawyer. Um, and he has, he has a good Twitter account. He has maybe 4,000 followers, right? And you would think that this guy, for his thoughts and his, like, um, you know, his predictions, he is a great space. He has the validation of 4,000 people waiting on bated breath on every, any word or uh, he has to say. But unfortunately, those 4,000 followers are related to law. Actually, what he wants to talk about a lot of the time is MMA, is boxing, is combat sports. And he wants to put down um, predictions. He wants to debate what's going to happen next. Yeah. He loves Herd because now suddenly he beco- he's becoming a micro celebrity amongst that cohort of Herd users that use it for contact- combat sports. And he never had that safe, fun space to do that before. And, and that for me is hugely exciting in creating a, a-, a new way for us all to compete. I love this. Um, I, I've chatted a number of times, and most recently, probably two weeks ago, with a guy called Eric Fullweiler. He's, uh, he, he opened up VaynerMedia for Gary Vaynerchuk in London back probably five, six years ago. He started his own company recently. But I chatted to him about influencer marketing, and I took some of the notes that he said here. Um, he put up a post, actually, on LinkedIn a few weeks ago talking about how undervalued he believes influencer marketing still is. 
And there's a question at the end of this, by the way. Uh, but in this particular post, he talked about how uh, this cash app grew 60% year on year. Uh, and based on research, there was retail banks were spending anywhere between $350 to $500 to convert a new customer, to get someone to open up a bank account with them. Yeah. But when they used the, when they leveraged influencers on TikTok for the cash app, the cost to acquire a new customer dropped to $20. So it dropped from $350 to $500 from leveraging influencer marketing. Absolutely incredible. So have you thought about potentially looking at that as part of your marketing strategy? Uh, absolutely, absolutely, Ryan. And do you know why? Because corporates and businesses don't have points of view. If you think about yeah. what, our, what our product is, it's someone expressing an opinion on what's going to happen next. And the only person that can do that is an individual. And an individual with influence, we call an influencer. So it has to be core to everything we do. Yeah. And we have to speak to this, you know, we call them hosts on our platform. We have to speak to our hosts because a good host, to be honest with you, is a is hundred times better than a good user because a host is spreading the product. It's, it's telling their friends, it's, it's creating the content when they, they land. Of course, users uh, add to that and they may in turn become hosts themselves. But well, we absolutely must invest in influencer marketing. For example, you know, we did our budget for next year. We have no um, spend whatsoever on uh, traditional Facebook ads, LinkedIn ads, anything like that. We are totally focused on strategic partnerships with kind of, you know, for, for we go back to the Man United example, Man United legends adjacent to the brand that yeah. want to, their fans want to take them on. And want, you know, what's really interesting is you know, sporting communities, when I think back to when I was younger and I think about the panel that perhaps would analyze a football match, it would be impartial in nature. Sport has become somewhat tribalized. You now have Jamie Carragher defending Liverpool. You have Gary Neville defending Manchester United. And I think that creates a really exciting opportunity for Herd because even if you agree with Gary Neville, which might be some cohort of the Herd users, you have just as many people who absolutely hate his guts and want to take him on and think he's an idiot. And people thinking you're an idiot is just as important as people thinking you're not an idiot on our platform because people are exchanging views and they're competing on that and building their um, their knowledge and build and showing that they they are indeed the um, oracles of their of their given sports. Mm. Jack, before we hit the record button, we were talking about different WeWork offices in London, um, and you instantly were able to know what WeWork office I was talking about. And I've gone through your LinkedIn and I see that you've networked with a ton of people. How important are relationships? Oh, they're everything, aren't they? You know, like it's, it, it's uh, the be all and end all. Um, you know, we're hiring at the moment. And to be honest, you know, I put up a LinkedIn post. I'll, I'll you know, I'll put it in various uh, job boards and everything else. But who am I going to hire? I'm going to hire the people that are recommended to me. Um, by people I trust and people who I've built relationships over the time. You know, there's so many uh, moments in my uh, career where I'm very thankful for the relationships that I have. Um, Heard came from Entrepreneur First, um, Regan, which is this uh, bizarre um, uh, accelerator, which basically you don't know people before you start, but they bring you together. It's pre-idea. It's all individual based and the relationships that uh, stem from that. And from that, you know, they've had unicorns come and it's only six, seven years old. They've already had unicorns come from that structure because what it does is it puts the individual first. It melds the, those individuals together and it with that alchemy and with that magic, they create brilliant businesses. And, you know, we started with 80 people at the start of EF, maybe a few more than that. We ended with, 20, you know, about 
10 to 12 businesses of about 20 to 24 people you know that's uh, it, it while we lose people along the way you know it, it, what it does what it what no, no matter what it creates those relationships so even if you don't you know i've seen people that started an ef um, and maybe didn't bring uh, have a business at the end but they joined one of the tw- 10 to 12 companies you know so it's all everything I, I every day i reflect upon how i can uh, you know give first i suppose as a, a and be uh, a help to my uh, to my network brilliant um and in in the process of i don't know if you built it or you've got a tech co-founder but in the process of setting up and building the app that you've built i'm sure you're into using other technology tools whether the basics of slack and zoom or more advanced tools or you could be on discord chat rooms is there a tool out there that you cannot live without and if so what is it i always enjoy this question when you ask it because i always think what is the tool that i use that i can't live without and i actually have been thinking about the last few days and there are so many you know you think about slack for communication you think about us sharing this moment on zoom you think you know you think about what i think but for me WhatsApp is a is an immense tool. You know, I have WhatsApp Mobile. Um, you know, I, I'm still involved with a lot of horse racing groups. Uh, a lot of our users come from WhatsApp. It's that ability to com- to communicate and communicate instantaneously is so valuable to me. Um, and as a result, you know, I can be in those. We talked about WeWorks earlier. I can be any WeWork in London. I can be in probably any WeWork in in the world but i can communicate with my friends i can communicate with my business colleagues and we can you know make things happen and i think for me the thing i find you know if i was to open up and show you my screen time on my phone what's the app i use the most it's whatsapp um so much as it's not an you know it's original thought in terms of a tool it is the most essential to my life i use whatsapp probably every hour but when I discovered WhatsApp desktop, that's where things... Oh, yeah, it changes the game, doesn't it? it I, I, I struggle yeah. to go back to my phone because it's easier just to type on your laptop. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, what's your personal definition of success? What, what does it mean to you? I think a lot of us get caught up in um, external uh, validators of that, right? It's like the biggest fundraise round. It's the, you know, the most amount of Instagram followers. For me, you know, I think it's very simple. It's a happy uh, family life. It's a happy uh, group of friends. It's kind of the, the ability to have a pint on a Friday night and to, to be somewhat stress-free. Um, you know, I think that's very important. Now, that does not align with what I'm doing, right? Uh, my job is very stressful, building or trying to build a startup. Uh, a lot, I take a lot on myself. So I don't help myself in achieving that goal, but I do think you have to simplify life a little bit and for me you know it is that ability to have a nice meal with my girlfriend have you know have a great catch-up on a sunday with my family and have a pint with my friends on a friday and no matter where kind of you know the tapestry of life brings me along that i've got to think if i've got those four three fundamentals okay things are all right you know and actually that's a very stabilizing influence to have no i i love that answer jack and what's your favorite part of of your job because you spend so much time working what do you enjoy the most uh it's the random like sometimes it's absolute despair like you know you'd look at someone come on the app and you go oh my god they stay for six seconds how how rubbish is it and it's still pretty primitive right we've just started uh, it's where you know our cohort of users are very passionate early adopters that want to see us succeed they know we're on a journey right and we're going to get you know we're hiring we've just you know raised a, a, a nice amount of money you know things are going to get rapidly really interesting for us so it's not all roads, but I tell you, yesterday, just yesterday, you know, we're doing a very systematic um, outreach to people within a certain cohort of sport, which ha- actually happens to be horse racing at the moment, just as a test. 
And when I woke up, someone had already created a rugby event and then someone else created a rugby event. Then someone created one for the F1 and then someone else created one for the football that night. And then an NFL uh, event happened because it's, our platform is about user-generated content. We don't, we, we, we plant the seeds of maybe a, a, a horse racing event a day at the moment, but to see users take it and take it for their own means it's hugely exciting for us because what that means is they're pulling in new users. They're, you, they understand intuitively what it's for. So they're, they're building their own events and they're, they're, they're molding herd into what they want it to be. And at the end of the day, like me shouting to the rooftop saying I have a cool app, you should definitely download it, is bollocks. Actually, what's powerful is users saying this is really cool. Um, and that's what excites me. That's a good day. And that's what I strive for. I love the fact that this can grow from just a link sent to a WhatsApp group because you can have a WhatsApp group with 30 people. A link gets popped in for an event and then you've acquired 30 new users yeah. of the app. It, it, it's so simplistic. When I thought of it, I was like, how has nobody thought of this idea so far? I, I, look, people that do other iterations of this, yeah. what they don't do, I think, and what is core to us is give the like power to the users. So, the views are just in your um, hands to create, right? We don't premeditate what those views should be. So it can be Latifi to crash, which was exactly right, which might've seemed bizarre. I put down a view, the safety card won't be used the whole race. That, was a, that wasn't a correct view, you know? People, and then our community settle those views. So they say, yes, that was correct. That was wrong. And if, you know, someone is malfides in, in that, you know, it, it can get flagged straight away and we remove those points and, and we sort it, but it's, what we're doing is creating, it, it, everything is about creating an ecosystem and a, a, and a space for people to be the home of what happens next. That's, yeah. that's in essence what we're trying to create. Um, and I think that's what gets us up in the morning, gets us excited. I've got one final question. And anyone listening, watching this, links are below again to download the app. It's on the app store. I'm assuming it's on the Android store as well, Jack. Yeah. Yeah, you just got to type it hurt, H-E-R-D. I did it a couple of hours ago and it popped up instantly. It's yellow, you'll see it. Um, I'll put a screenshot here for the snippet that I pulled for LinkedIn as well so people can see what it looks like. But the final question, and you probably know what's coming because you've listened to this, is uh, I'd like you to imagine that you're in charge of adding a mandatory subject to the secondary school curriculum that's not currently on it. What would you add and why? Yeah, so I think, I think now, especially that we work from home, um, it, it's the ability, and I don't know if I have a name for it, but it's the ability to work asynchronously, right? It's the uh, ability to write um, a list of actions on Slack and get them, and then for the, take place at any time. It's the ability for you to join Zooms and to be accountable to others, but know that people have different strategies, different ways of working. For example, my co-founder, Rob, he loves talking. I actually like written aspects to to. to activate my brain i think it's understanding the different working patterns and asynchronous work is super powerful you know our development team is in um rio de janeiro palestine um, and nepal currently so the sun does not set on the herd empire um, but as a result i need to be cognizant of different cultures i need to be cognizant of different time zones i need to be cognizant of different work patterns and actually that is a core skill and being uh, able to do that and, and to be a leader in those communities, I think is going to be way more important um, to young people than uh, the gen our generation and the generations before us, because this is going to be everything, right? It's going to be the ability to work across uh, geographies and do so in a seamless way. So without having a name for it, it is the ability to, to work collaboratively, digitally, asynchronously, and successfully. 
a percentage of what you're saying is, if I've got it correct, and a small percentage of it is the ability to uh, quickly understand someone's personality style and how best to communicate with them. I don't know if you've heard of the psychometric testing called DISC, where you can, someone is primarily a D, an I, or an S, or C. Yes, yes, yes. If you can yes, identify yes. what someone is, you can yes. better communicate with them based off what they like and what they don't like. And I think that's exactly. a small part of what you're saying. Yeah, no, no, I, and I think that's very important. But it's, it, it's that's five days, you know, that's a week of the lessons of the kind of wider thing, yeah. which is how do we all work together in a digital world, right? You know, because it's something we're all going to have to learn and learn quite rapidly and, you know, a lot of people are doing a great job in it, and it's amazing how the human race adapts. But it's something I think for the next year, they have to get way better. You know, they, yes. they're going to improve upon what we've left behind. How are they going to do it? They're going to have to do it in a way which is very human, um, is empathetic, and is thoughtful to those around them. Couldn't agree more. Jack, it's, 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 it's been a real pleasure spending the last, what, 30, 35 minutes chatting to you. Um, I, I hope someday we can have a pint. Maybe, maybe when you're back in Ireland, if I'm around Dublin, I'm around Dublin quite a bit, we can yeah. meet up for a point. But uh, regardless, we should continue success with the app. I'll enjoy Christmas at home. Thanks very much. Much appreciated. No worries. Beautiful morning. Beautiful morning, baby. Nothing